But it's good to see you all here today. Uh, thank you for coming and being a part of our service today. I, I want to share with you from my thought today. It's, it comes from Paul's writing in 2 Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you want to turn over there. That's where he began to talk about using your spiritual gift. How many of you realize if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have at least one gift? Everybody realize that? If you don't, you do. I'll give you one right now. You got one. I can't do that, but the Holy Spirit can, so he's already given you one. But God's gifts aren't given to us in full bloom. They're given to us in increments to see how we're going to deal with them, to see if we're going to be faithful to them, and see if we're going to study and be approved of them. So he gives them to us a little bit at a time, and then as we we get through that, they need to be developed. They need to be used. Summer is just around the corner. It gets hot, and then it even gets hotter. If you don't have solar, your electrical bill will be somewhere between $100 and $400, um, and that's probably very conservative at some times. So getting out the fans will help a little bit. So that brings me to my point this morning. Paul reminds us to fan the flames of our spiritual gifts. And everyone has at least, as I said a moment ago, some have two, some have three, some are blessed and have five. But this church needs your gift. Whatever it is, I don't know if you have a spiritual gifts test that you can take. If you don't, talk to Pastor Tom or one of your elders. They'll help you to find out what that gift is so they can get you plugged in and get you going. And Pastor Tom is waiting for you. He needs you. He needs you to get off your blank. I'll let you fill in the blank and get to fanning that flame and that gift. How's that? So get plugged in. And the longer you wait... To use that gift, the harder it is to get active in doing for God what he has planned for you a long time ago. So let's get started this morning in 2 Timothy, starting uh, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, and then we're going to jump down to verses 13 and 14. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands upon you. Now, Paul is praying for Timothy. Uh, There's some that believe there was a special empowerment that was given at that particular time. They're not sure what it was. It may have been the Holy Spirit. It may have been his evangelistic gift or his pastor gift or his teaching gift, but it certainly was a special uh, enablement at that time. And verse 7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. How many of you deal with fear? You'll be honest enough to raise your hand and say, I deal with fear. Raise your hand because the revealing of your feelings is the beginning of your healing. The revealing, of your, say, the revealing of your feeling is the beginning of your healing. So when you say that, you're saying, God, I deal with fear. You're not by yourself. Many, many people deal with fear. The problem is we need to stop allowing the, not only the devil, but all these people to rent space in our heads. You, we do. We let them run around in there, and we just listen, and we listen. And that's where you take your hands, just put them over your ear, and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I cover my ears with the blood of Jesus Christ, that no enemy, no weapon formed against me can prosper in the name of Jesus. And therefore, that voice will leave. He said, I did not give you a spirit of fear or of timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline, or of a sound mind. I know sometimes we don't act like we do have that, but we do. And that acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. It's not. I talk a lot about facts or feelings. You know how people always say, I feel, I understand that, but is that reality? Is that really what it is? Facts are what God says we are, and God says what we can do and what we have, the abilities that we have. We need to know what the facts are and what God says, not what the devil tells you you are, because that is a lie from the pits of hell. 
Skip down to verse 13. Hold on to the patterns of wholesome teaching you learn from me. A pattern shaped by faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Now, faith means not only trust, but dependence as well. And, and love includes not only love to God, but also love for other believers in a world that is dying out there without Jesus Christ. Verse 14. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I love that, the power of the Holy Spirit, who lives where? Here in each one of you. If you said yes to Jesus, he took a little part of himself and he broke it off and he put it inside of you. Do you deserve it? Absolutely not, nor do I. But he loves us so much that he wants us to have that because he knows within our own power and our own strength we're going to flip-flop and flounder. We are. That's just what we do. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can get through these things in life. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truths that has been entrusted to you. Paul was aware of the widespread problem that was going on from the departure of the church and of the faith then, which the church was encountering at that time, much like today. We hear all the time the church is fading away, the, the people aren't coming back, they aren't responding the way they should. But let me tell you something, if we are in the last days, it also says there will be a great outpouring of my spirit. So that means people are going to be beating the door down. People are going to be wanting to come to a safe place where they can feel the love of God. And you have to be ready. Your pastor needs you tremendously. He needs you to step into that gifting, find out what it is. So when those people are beating the door down, you can be the first one to say, come, let's sit down. Let's talk a little bit. Let me pray with you. So we have to fan into flame the spiritual gifts God gave you when you decided to accept them as Lord and Savior. And because you have that Holy Spirit in you, are we all agreed with that? Is that, is that? Can we say amen to that? Are we all agreed to that? Paul is saying, I transferred this spiritual gift at this particular time to Timothy. He says, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us now. And, and he said, he's telling me, I'm giving this to you. Again, we don't know what that was. But he said, carefully guard the precious truths that have been entrusted to you. So, first I would like us to look at fanning the flames of praying for others. How many of you like praying for others? Raise your hand. How many of you have a difficult time praying for others? Raise your hand. The revealing of your feeling is the beginning of your healing. Get this? Okay. okay. So we're saying I'm not there yet. It's okay. You don't have to be there yet. Again, he's given it to you. It's not fully bloomed yet, but he wants you to work on that. 2 Timothy 1, 3 and 5 says this. Timothy, I thank God for you. Who have you told this week that you thank God for them? Your husband, your wife, your children? Have you told anyone at all, I thank God for you? I shared with the group earlier in the first service, I sat right there. And as I sat there, I started thinking about my church, what they're doing up there. I thought about Daniel, my worship leader. Gosh, I thank God for him. I think about Misty, my assistant. Man, I really think, she really runs the church. She just lets me draw a check, but she really runs the church. But I thank God for her. My wife, I thank God for her. She puts up with me and allows me to do what I do. But he says, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience. Man, isn't that great? Don't you love to go to bed at night and your head hit that pillow and you don't have anything running around in there and you can just go to sleep? Isn't that great? I have a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly re remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. 
and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you shared the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. The faith or the gospel that we serve in, those that accepted him as their Lord and Savior in their life, is a life of spirituality. It's not a, we are flesh and bones, yes we are. But there is a spirit now that lives inside us. God is a spirit, Jesus is a spirit, and the Holy Spirit is a spirit that dwells within believers today. And the only way to see the workings or the manifestations of that Holy Spirit is when we obey, when we obey the instructions given to us and apply them to our everyday lives. And I do mean every day, so we need to get out the fans sometimes. And there are people around you and me every day that need help. You know who I'm talking about, the ones who whine, the ones who cry, and the ones that complain. Don't look at them. And they would be the ones that we really avoid at all costs. We really do. They just wear us out. But, wow, how quickly we forget that one day we were those ones that everyone avoided we were always whining. We couldn't even get any cheese with our wine. We, we cried about everything, and we, we could complain with the best of them. But God saw fit to send someone that day, in spite of all the warts and freckles and problems that we have. They laid their hands upon us, and it changed our lives forever. So here you sit, and you're expecting everyone else to do the messy stuff while we sit in an air-conditioned building. Wow. So why do we need to get the fans out after all? Listen, I love to play golf. I do. I I do. Some days when I go golfing, I chop a little wood. That means I'm in the trees a little bit. I move or excavate a little dirt. I take it with me around sometimes. But it is my true intention to chase that little white ball all the way to the end of the fairway and get it in that cup with as few strokes or as few hits as possible. The biggest handicap, though, that I have is me. Because in order for me to get better and not move as much grass or, to, or maybe to chop less wood, I've got to practice or apply what I've been taught. I have to take what I've learned and I have to, the, the things that people have shared with me over time that have coached me to do, and I need to apply them as often as I can, and then I will get better. As you practice praying for yourselves and others, you will not be afraid to lay hands on people or on someone and bless them every chance you get. But we are also to be careful about allowing just anyone to lay hands on people. 1 Timothy 5 says this, Do not be hasty in laying hands, laying on of hands, and do not share in the, that you do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. And what he's talking about here is the thought is not so much about the cautioning of the physical action of the laying on hands, but the urge to incare and conferring the responsibility of spiritual leadership, however that's done. It's not to be done suddenly or quickly or without due consideration. Sometimes when your pastor, Tom, is is a little slow in making a decision about empowering someone, give him some time. I know people, pastor, you need to get so-and-so, you need to this. I hate it when people say should. Pastor, you should. I hate it when people say, uh, you know, they should on me. You know, first time I told my congregation, they're like, what did he just say? <laughs> Was that a cuss word? But I hate that. 
So give your pastor time when he's doing that. He's watching and he's praying and he's asking for, for guidance from the Holy Spirit before he makes that decision to put somebody in that leadership role. So pray for him. Christian spirituality and life are all about serving others as Christ taught himself. So in Hebrews 6, 2, it says this, of the doctrine of baptism and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and of eternal life. So there must have been a doctrine about the laying on of hands that, that was written at time, and they obviously had, had read that and studied that at that time. But over in Acts eight seventeen it says, Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, of much greater importance, however, is that God himself instituted and encouraged prayer. He did, he, either directly or through his servants. Uh, and I want to read a few scriptures about that. In Psalms 50, he says, call upon me in a day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. See, folks, in the days that you have that are good when you're praying, tell God about it. God, I had a great day today because of you in my life. Matthew 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Now, I know a lot of people that like to just push doors open. Just keep going and push and push and push. And sometimes when you don't get through there, it's because God doesn't want you to go through there. If you crack it a little bit and it opens all the way, go through it. But if you have to fight and, and that resistance and go through it, God's trying to say, stop. Don't go through there. First Timothy 2 says, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. So in doing so, it's very important that we thankfully remember each other. This gratitude is, is very significant. And, and sadly, at times, the, this, we, there's a, a huge neglect of that in the aspect of prayer. And Paul emphasized the significance of thanksgiving when he wrote in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Now, you're thinking right away. Pastor, I can't pray all day. I'm working. Yeah, you can. Just be ever mindful of everything that's going on around you that God has given that to you. If it's your job, God, thank you for my job. Now, you may not like your boss, but tell God, I thank you for my boss. Tell him anyway. Just be ever mindful of what's going on around you and thanking God every day. So pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, first of all, then, I urge that supplication or the appeal, request, or petition, prayer or the request or devotion, intercession or the intervention or negotiation, and thanksgiving, which is the blessing, prayer, and thanks, be made for all people. He gave us an example of prayerful thanksgiving in our text this morning, very, what we read this morning, that he informed Timothy that he thanked God for him for his personal prayer. Now, Maybe we should be the same, thanking God for each other. And, you, and I know sometimes in churches it's just really hard to get people together. And I think what they're doing on Wednesday night is just that. Come and get to know someone. You've probably seen someone and go, look at them. Look at that over there. They look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. Man, we're supposed to be the happiest people in the world. We should be. We're going to heaven, that's for sure. But we don't. But you've already drawn a conclusion about someone and you don't even know them. 
show up on Wednesday nights. That's how you begin to open those doors to relationships and other people in your life. And God will begin to bless that. Now, whether it's a, a relative at a meeting, uh, at a family meeting or gathering sometimes, friends at a house, uh, maybe a high school homecoming or fellow Christians at a weekly worship service, uh, we need to be re- reuniting with each other in, a, in the healthy things of life. We'll go to ball games and all this other stuff, but it's like, let's go to church and let's, let's get together and talk. And it's like, uh, I've got something I've got to do today. Really? Really? Let's get, we come together with people that will pray for us, that will edify us, that will lift us up, and that will encourage us. Man, we should, this place should be full on Wednesday nights. So I want to encourage you to do that. Paul also emphasized that when he wrote to the Ephesian Christians in Ephesians, he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in what? Love. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bonds of peace. Wow. At another time, he wrote to the the believers in Romans, in Romans 1. He says, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. It was a matter of of helping their spiritual growth through the the ministering of the word. Listen, you can't change anyone's life. My Bible's down there, I'm sorry. But the word will. The word can change lives. You can give that to them. It's just like telling your teenagers, don't go here and don't do that. They're going to experience it. But the word is what changes life. As long as you speak it, edifying and encouraging and uplifting, the Bible says that is prophecy. So speak life into them. Speak encouragement into them and edify them and lift them up. And when we are probably, this is when Paul was, he was nearing the end of his life, He wrote this to his spiritual son, Timothy. He says, do your best to come to me soon. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Mark and and Paul had separated ways. Uh, They kind of got separated there. But Paul knew how important Mark was to him. Who is important to you in this church? If you don't have someone, I want to encourage you to get someone that can come beside you and and pray and encourage you and go back and forth. And Jesus himself invited togetherness to be the the best situation here when he said in Matthew 11, come to me, some of you who labor. Is that what he said? No. He said, all who labor and are very heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to allow him to manifest himself. Jesus Christ is here with us today. Where two or three are gathered, I'm here. He's here. Do you believe he's here? Say amen. He's here. He's here with us. And we need to know that. And when we do so, we also need to fan into flames by following his practice of love. In 2 Timothy 1.8, it says this. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I am in prison for, for him. God. Now, he was in maritime prison in Rome, but he goes on, he says, with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this 
not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his knowledge. Is that what he did? That's not what it says, huh? His grace through Jesus Christ. Listen, I know lots of people that are great theologians, and, I'm, and that's great. I, I love that. They know the Bible better than I do. They can quote it backwards and forth. They're great. But let me tell you something. This is the most dangerous 18 inches in your life that you'll ever encounter. If you don't get it out of here to right here, people won't be drawn to you at all. So we've got to get it into the love mode. We've got to let them know that we love them unconditionally. I love the guys that are around me that are great theologians. I love talking with them and hearing what they've got to say. But I also want to see, see, I'm teaching our church up there. I live in an area where the ground is very hard. The soil is very, very hard. And I said, stop telling people how much you know about God. Show them. Show them. People don't care what you've got to say sometimes, but if you show them how much you love them, that will change everything in their lives. He said he did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. And now he made all of this plan to us by appearing to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, plain to us. He made it just plain because Jesus has come. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way of life and immortality through God, the good news. Now listen, if Jesus doesn't come, the bodies are going to die, but the spirit lives on. He conquered death. We no longer have to fear that that is the end because it's not the end. It's just the beginning. For Christians and believers, it's a brand new beginning. It's a new life. No more pain, no more sorrows, no, no more tears. It's going to be party, 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 party all the time. It really will be. He goes on, verse 11. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. This is why I'm suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Now, do you remember the three musketeers? You've heard the story? One for all and all for one. Wow. They live and practice a unity. Wherever they went, it was. Everything good and bad, they were together. Everything easy and difficult, they were together. Everything positive and negative, they were together. And Paul calls us to do the very same thing with Jesus Christ in our life, about which he reminded his audience, not only then, but even for us today. In Luke 9, 23, it said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross daily, daily, and follow me. In other words, endured the difficulties of the present life that results from some of our thinking, our sayings and doings and our thoughts and our words and, and actions that tell the world around us. We need to let them know that we have a holy calling in our life. You don't have to go around and advertise it. Again, let them see Jesus in you. You don't have to tell them all the time. When they see Jesus in you, the door will open and then you can share with them. The holy calling is nothing more than humbly obeying God's holy will for our life. It is reflecting God's love for, that he gave for us and expressing his love for us and then turning around in us giving it to those that are around us. 
It simply follows what Jesus instructed Philip to do in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commands. However, the sad and tragic reality is that we struggle with keeping the commandments. Every one of us do. But the very Christ who calls us to love him loves us. And with an all-consuming love that drove him to bear our disobedience and suffering and our punishment. And that's what he did. He went to the cross. In Isaiah 53, 5, it said this. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole, whole. And he was whipped so we could be healed. Having gained that forgiveness and that salvation and eternal life for us, he also assures us that he will protect us until the last day. Now, I don't know about you, but safety, security, and protection really are necessities of life that allow us to live uh, somewhat productively, knowing that we have those things. But without those things, wow, we fear, and we have that fear setting in because we don't have the security. Listen, when I was a young man in ministry, I remember them talking about chopping people being martyrs for Christ and their heads being chopped off. Never, ever thinking I would see that in my lifetime because that was for way down the road. But boy, is it going on before our eyes today. They're being slaughtered everywhere. So I like having that safety and security and protection and, and knowing that God is there. And Peter described us as his people. In 1 Peter 1, he said this, God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. Wow. You know, a lot of times we pray for people's healing, but I also want them to be whole. I want them to be set free. I want them to be delivered. I want them to break those bondages in their lives. They no longer have to be a slave to fear or death. Let's set them free. Lord, let's make them whole. Let's make them all together. And Jude wrote in Jude 24, he says, Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. How many of you have at least one fault? How many of you have five faults, ten faults? Never mind. Stop, 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 stop. Hello, hello. The wave here. We're all doing this. But you get to stand before God and go, God, I'm so good to see you. Yeah, I'm just see you face to face and, and stand there with a clear conscience and, and nothing going on inside. And that little voice in the back go, yeah, but, yeah, but remember when you won't have to do that anymore. You get to stand before God and just walk into the presence of the, of the Holy One and just take it all in. And, and the angels are going to be singing. And you, how many of you can't sing? I'm in that club too. I'm going to have a voice like Elvis. I am. I told God. I'm also going to have hair like Elvis, by the way. I've asked God for two things, a voice and hair like Elvis. So if you see a guy up there with a white beard and Elvis hair, that'll be me. That's what I want. But it's going to be neat to stand before the presence of God. All the things that kind of held us down and held us back is no longer going to be there. We're going to have a clear conscience and do that. The Old Testament prophet Habakkuk, uh, painfully asked and finally he, he really grieved also when he said this. He said, how long, O oh Lord, must I call for help? You've said it, I've said it. We've all prayed. Lord, how much longer do I have to wait? He says, but you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. 
Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all the misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. And that's just people in the church. Why are we doing that? Why? It's, people would rather be right than happy. Yeah, I'm right. You know who I'm talking about. Don't look at them again. It's just, we don't want to be right. I tell you what, the older I get, I just want to be happy. I have fought and argued enough in my lifetime. I'm getting tired of it. And my wife's getting tired of me too. So she told me to stop it. So I'm stopping it. I want to be happy. I want to be happy. Now, I suspected all of us experience those frustrations and anxieties in our lives and the trials and the tribulations, the heartaches and the despairs that we have. And it sometimes seems like God just doesn't hear those prayers. But let me tell you, he does. His timing is always perfect. I'm a type, used to be triple A, now I'm a type maybe double one and a half A. I've slowed down a little bit over the years. But I am one that likes to get about five projects going, and I'm just like, come on, God. You've got to get on board here. I've got these things I want to do for you, and I can help you out. And God just shows me that I don't have any control or any power at all unless he's in it, which he's absolutely right. So he lets me uh, wait, and that's a four-letter word that I just don't like. It just wears me out sometimes. But he seemingly turns a deaf ear sometimes to us. Or he delays that answer. But he's carefully designing an opportunity for us to really fan the flames of God's gift of faith by following those patterns of love and by tirelessly serving one another with prayer and boldly sharing in Christ's suffering. So don't give up. When you pray, pray. Leave it in God's hands and allow him to work in his time, not ours. I hope you hear my heart this morning is this. You can put both hands together. You can bow your head, close your eyes, whatever works for you best. But I I want you to know that the power is in you to work. Your pastor needs you. Your church needs you. Your community needs you. And through those hands, the Holy Spirit can do a lot of things if you make them available. Some of you have, have allowed the fire to really go down to the embers. They're just barely burning a little bit. You're tired. You've even become a little skeptical about things. You're not sure this is what you really signed up for. Listen, Jesus never said it would be easy. Never. He never said it would be easy, but he did say it would be worth it. Today, I want all of us to fan the flames of our spiritual gift and get busy for God. I want us to pray passionately this morning, asking Jesus to to stir up, to restore that gift, and give us a renewing of our minds, a renewed desire to serve in this church, in this community, a willingness to serve and help wherever we're needed, no matter what it is, how little or how big it may be. But most of all, I want us all to fan the flames of our spiritual gifts this morning. So let us today, faithfully, humbly, and obediently begin fanning into flames a gift of of faith by following God's patterns of love. Let us do so by serving one another and helping one another and praying to be used of God in in a very special way. I believe it's 68 times in the New Testament it mentions one another in one way, shape, or form. So it's very important. Listen, the Lone Ranger even had Tonto 
So he wasn't a lone ranger. He had someone. And God wants us, because if you can't get along here, you may not get along up there either. And we want to get along with everyone. Would you stand with me today, please? I promise I won't embarrass you. I want us to simply do this. I want you to take your hands. Now, some of you say, Pastor, I don't raise my hands. Okay, then raise your hands here. Some of you can raise them here. Some of you can raise them here. However works for you. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. But I just want you to raise your hands. I want you to bow your head with me and close your eyes this morning. And I want you to offer your hands to God. Okay, I just want you to say, God, today I offer these hands quietly in your heart. I I want them to be used in times of prayer. I want them, Lord, to be able to heal through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to be able to help someone to be forgiven. I want my hands to be able to give hope. I want my hands to bless. I want them to help create change, to restore, to help save lives to restore what has been broken, to transform hearts and minds and to bring freedom to those in bondage and to help in achieving victories and most of all, to impact people's lives for eternity. So Lord, I pray today with my hands lifted up that you will help us, me, to get back to the business of using our spiritual gifts, especially for the kingdom work today, Lord. So we ask in Jesus' name to fan the flames of these gifts into a roaring fire. That we can be just a small part, just a small part of the heavenly work to come. So use us, Lord, and fan the flames of our spiritual gifts today. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.